Poker is a game that requires skill, massive amounts of skill. Mostly luck, but there's some bluffing to it. Dan, you're looking great today. You don't know how to play poker? I can't believe I'm the only person here who knows how to play poker. Like, what can I say? I live under a rock. Okay, what games do you know how to play? Uh, some war. That's not even a game. That's just like a, that's that's like, I like car, fidgeting with cards. Like, like, like there's no skill here. <clears throat> you good, Joey? Yeah, yeah. It was just you know it's just been a. You don't have COVID, do you? Did you have COVID? No. You have to tell us like legally. No. <coughs> yeah. You sure you're feeling okay? <coughs> you okay? You okay, man? <coughs> What's wrong? Dude, come on. Come on. Come on. Uh. Hold him, hold him down. Hey, hey, hey. Dude, what's wrong? Hey, what's wrong? Oh my god, what the hell is that? What the hell? What the hell is that thing? No, Gregory, two weeks early. What the? Oh. Welcome back to the Overtly Critical Film Show. I'm Ryan. And I'm Corwin, and this week we watched the movie Alien from 1979, directed by... Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. I don't know why I forgot that. And it stars Sigourney Weaver and Tom Skerritt. That's all you get. That's the only people we're going to mention. And John Hurt. The commercial space tug Nostromo is returning to Earth with a seven-member crew in stasis. Captain Dallas, Executive Officer Kane, Warrant Officer Ripley, Navigator Lambert, Science Officer Ash, and two engineers, Parker and Brett. Detecting a transmission from a nearby moon, the ship's computer, Mother, awakens the crew. Per company policy requiring any potential distress signal be investigated, they land on the moon despite Parker's protests, sustaining damage from its atmosphere and rocky landscape in the process. The engineers stay on board to effect repairs while Dallas, Kane, and Lambert head out to investigate. They discover the signal originates from a derelict alien ship and enter it, losing communication with the Nostromo. Ripley deciphers part of the transmission, determining it to be a warning, but cannot relay this information to those on the derelict ship. First impressions of the movie. I guess we'll... This is... I also kind of want this section to double as history with the movie. I had never seen it before. I've heard of it, obviously. Um, it's a pop culture icon. You, Everyone yes. knows what a xenomorph looks like. I know that a lot of my friends who are fans of other sci-fi movies tend to like the Alien series, so I was kind of intrigued, um, and ended up being more of a horror in my opinion, but uh, first impressions, first thoughts, I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I was still in high school when I saw it, and for me, this is one of the best sci-fi films ever and it's just one of the best horror films ever ever it's a very solid movie and this is the only this is the only one in the series i've actually seen i haven't watched aliens or uh that's the only other one i've heard is any good but um you know i was i i, I was like sort of expecting this movie to be a bit of a letdown when i first saw it but nope and rewatching it i it's still just as good in my opinion it's a very like you said it's a very solid movie A lot of the dialogue, there's a lot of talking over each other. And especially in the scenes when they're all eating together, there's a lot of, uh, it's like kind of chaotic. But it felt it felt very realistic to me. I yeah, like that a lot. Um, and what I think this movie does well that a lot of movies um, mess up is they put in bits where they're talking over each other, but that's never really when it's important dialogue. You, um, I mean, you haven't seen this movie before, so you, you didn't know the plot going into it. But upon rewatching it, I was like, no, they don't really drop any like important dialogue bits when they're all talking. 
when they have to do that, when they have to exposit or, you know, put set something up for the plot, it, it's only one or two people talking. And, you know, that's just, it's good filmmaking and it's good writing. Right. Um, I mean, I, I thought the story itself was interesting. It's it's something that I've seen, you know, seen before. I mean, a monster slowly takes down one person at a time from a crew of people. It's, you know, something that I've seen before. Um, but also granted, this was one of the first movies to do right, it. Right, I mean, a lot of those movies probably came after this. But, you know, still that idea. Um, I guess that's really all I have to say about this, the actual script and story elements. Um, because basically everything I have to say about it is visuals. So I guess, unless you have something oh, to talk about um, the script, we can pick up I, I have a that. few. Um, one thing I love about this movie is that it doesn't fall into the horror movie trap of everyone's a freaking idiot. Um, a couple characters are, you know pretty stupid i can't stand the one the one character who's just screaming at everything that happens which you know to be fair that's probably what i would do in that situation but still um you know ripley is just like such a great character and as we find out by the end of the movie uh spoilers but you know if you're watching this expect there to be spoilers um we find out that the reason ash went against ripley's orders was because he was working for the company and he knew the whole time about the alien and you know, he was a, he was an android, right? Um, <clears throat> powered by milk, apparently. Um, but <laughs> that's a great. Eye I'm roll. gonna have to get a screenshot of that too. Oh yeah, they're they're intelligent and they they plan things out, um, and they they fail because the alien is just that freaking good, or because someone is you know messing up their plans. Right. It's um, not. They're just not freaking idiots. I might. I mean, it might be kind of an obvious thing to say because it's like in the sci-fi realm. But, you know, you can always sense there's a little bit of subtext when it's literally called the company. Yeah. It's like evil corporation. Mm -hmm. The company wants it. The uh, the Wayland... uh Wayland Utani Corporation. I don't know if this is the movie they established that in, but, you know, it's evil company number 67. Sure. For the purposes of this of this movie, that works. So yeah, there's a there's a tinge of that in there where it seemed like the whole mission was like, we'll put all these people on this mission, we'll get them to use their skills to get this alien. It's gonna kill all of them. It probably wouldn't have killed the robot, but Ash. I mean, but if it did, who cares? As long as the ship gets back to them with the alien itself, it's really all they cared about. Um, yeah, there was some occasionally well placed humor. Yeah, what are some examples of that? Because I think you're right, but what um, do you think they are? There was just uh, the, the two maintenance characters. They were pretty funny. Yeah, that one guy, the, um, the one of them who survives to the end. I can't remember his name, but he's like he was like some like he just wants to go home and party. He's very much a comedic relief character. Yeah, and then the guy Brett, we hope that's his name, who dies. Yeah, he, we might have screwed up their names. There's here. that scene where he just keeps saying right to everything and. They 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 don't yeah. they don't want to be caught up in right. all this. He's like right right right. He's right, just right. like get off my neck. We you know. And then there's that scene where like they were like fixing something, and there was like this loud like I don't know it was like an air vent or something. And Ripley was talking to them, and he just like turned it off. And I was like, could he have just turned that off the whole time so they didn't she didn't have to yell over them? I'm pretty sure he was screwing with her. The movie sells the idea that these are real people, and you get familiar enough with them that you care when some, when, when one of them dies, and you care about the uh, the the situation there. And it's 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 good, it's good character writing. Ellen Ripley is one of my favorite protagonists ever. She's great, just because she she doesn't fuck around. Um, the whole thing where she is just like, nope, I'm not letting you in the ship until Ash, because he's a fucker, lets them in. She's, she's my she's profanity. A, she plays by the rules. Yeah, and. 
but she's not like you know a total hard ass with no feelings because at the end when she's the last one left we see how vulnerable she is especially in that final scene where you know she's literally she's stripping naked to well she doesn't actually get naked but she's going to go into the uh the cryopod or whatever it is and then she's like oh crap there's an alien in here and she's like getting in the suit and strapping herself in to press the button that's scary yeah it it really grounds her because we see the three-dimensionality to her character A lot of Star Wars influenced sets, and I'm not saying Star Wars was not influenced by other things. It definitely was, but uh, a lot of the sets I thought were cool. The ship itself, the inside. There's lots of different rooms. Some of the lighting looked cool. They incorporated some lighting from like, oh, it's like some little motor thing that's running, or there's like a yeah. cage in the area. I'm like, they're just hiding their lights. The um, <laughs> for for me um, that the the set design of this movie and the overall visual design is it, it's the shining star of this movie um it, it the in the entire technology the entire world um in alien has this great tactile analog feel to it where like you see in like the end scene ripley pulling down the big massive levers to set off the self-destruct sequence it's like man she's really just that that takes some work that's not just press a button self-destruct like some sci-fi they really give you this physicality to the world and like i uh i'm i'm a big fan of like you know lore and movies and the amount of work they put into just like the patches of the crew and like the just like the yeah. the iconography in the ship is so detailed it's it is a it it feels so real and H.R. Geiger's um, design for the alien itself and the uh, the alien ship, uh, it just looks like a, a rotting carcass, and I love it. Yeah, and one thing that I think we haven't touched on where, you know, maybe in the other movies we've done so far, it's not as big of a thing, but costume design. Yeah. And it's probably going to be more important when we do these more sci-fi or fictionalized things, but uh, those are people that definitely deserve a lot of uh, props. Um, a lot of the monitors that they use, a lot of that is incorporated into the shots. So, like, if you notice when they're typing on the computers, sometimes the text will pop up in their face, like projected on their face. Or some shots, it'll be like the kind of, you know, I hate, oh my God, I'm going to hate that I'm going to say this, but it's like an Iron Man style thing where it's like you can see, like, what the cameras of the ship are seeing and you can see, like, you know, it's like when they, when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when they try to make something look like it's recorded on a camera and they have the rec button or text on the top of it. Yeah. It's that yeah, kind like, of style. Um, like when Ash is monitoring them as they're going uh, to explore the derelict ship. Yeah. Um, another thought I had is. Um, one of my favorite things about the design, I think it's a great sort of storytelling piece, is there's a lot of similarities between how the ship looks and how, like, the alien ship looks in the case that they both have kind of an organic feel to them and an industrial feel. Like, the alien has, like, almost pipes sticking out of it, and it's got this... It it looks totally not like a living thing. It looks like a machine in a very organic way. And to me, the, uh, the Nostromo looks almost like a an organic machine if that makes sense like the way the vents open and close it's like you know it's it it looks like a camera aperture but that's how like you know uh valves in the human body open and close um and like air hissing and things moving I, i think it's just a great parallel between the two i noticed particularly when they stepped when they got off the ship and they landed on a planet, did they? Uh, yeah, I don't okay. know what it's called, but, but it's, you know, it's some planet. They get on this planet and the architecture of this planet, whether it was natural or whether it is some kind of ship or whatever, I'm pretty sure it was a ship, 
um, that they stumbled upon. It looked a lot like the Matrix to me. It's like these very like dark gray, big spaces. Um, kind of like in the Matrix, they have like the rows of pods of people, and it, look, it just kind of looked the same to me. That very organic but machine look yes. that a lot of the Matrix um, has. I, I'm glad you picked up on that because you know I've seen this before and I've seen the Matrix, both great movies, and I never noticed the uh, the influences. And there's a lot of uh, dark blues and dark green hues in in a lot of the shots. A lot of most of that is external stuff, but there's I notice a lot of that color. Um, one thing I noticed too that I was I really paid attention to was there's a lot of just because we talked about it with Mulholland Drive. Um, there's a lot of uh, really long shots that will sweep through the whole room that will it, there's a lot of just I love like, the shot where like it's coming through the doors and yeah. the arms going off where it's center framed I just that's it's, a really nice shot I don't know if I'm going to be able to word this right but it, it almost like feels like you're floating in space you know it's like they're in this spaceship and the oh, camera's yeah. just kind of gliding through the rooms and it's like I thought that was That's really interesting I never I, thought of it I that thought way it was just a cool feeling um I noticed that uh, there's a lot of low lighting like uh, a lot of it's like I wrote like feels desaturated, but it's just because it's low lighting. Um, a lot of it is throughout, and it's almost all, like it's always very hard lighting and very uh, very motivated lighting. There are scenes mm-hmm. where you can't see someone's face because there's no light in the ship to illuminate them, and they don't want you to feel like they're not actually right. there. And and a lot of this, and I'm gonna get into this later. I don't want to spoil like some of the bigger points I'm gonna make, but um. <clears throat> To do with this low lighting, a lot of the low lighting, but also some of the lighting choices as later in the movie we see a lot of strobe effects because of the self-destruct. A lot of this in editing makes up for the lack of CG monster effects. There's probably animatronics, I assume. Definitely suit stuff. As far as I know, the xenomorph is all practical. Yeah, so... Which makes uh, sense. It's 1979. Yeah, so I assume it was animatronic. I assume when we see the xenomorph actually fall out of the ship, that's probably a guy in a suit. Um, yeah, it looks that there's way. There's pu- probably some string puppetry work going on. Um, and though at time I did actually write some of the effects. Sometimes they don't look great. Most of the time, it, they sell it really well because it's... It is lighting. It's so so low lit. There's a lot of hectic editing, um, lots of close ups, and it it feels scary. Even though I at times I'm like that's not real. And um, <laughs> one thing yeah. I love about the alien um, is that they're really not afraid to show you it. And they they make you wait. They really make you wait to see it. Um, I was actually surprised. We had to pause after the um, after we see the uh, I think Brett the um, I don't remember which one he is, but the guy with the hat. He's one like of one of the maintenance guys. Yeah, after he gets uh, the first guy to get killed by them, aside from poor Kane, Rip Kane. <laughs> um, that's like that's more than halfway into the movie when it really happens, and I was so surprised. But you get to see the alien pretty well in that scene, especially at the end. And a lot of movies, you know, will try and hide their effects with lighting, especially now with all the CGI. If it's not very good. And what's funny is we actually, before we saw this, saw a very bad uh, rip-off mockbuster-type thing of Alien called Creature. And in that movie, the light they their method was to just uh, light everything as little as possible so you couldn't see how bad it all looked. And you see the monster like once at the end, and you barely see it because it looked like crap, and they don't want you to realize how much like crap it looks. In this movie... H.R. Geiger's design is so solid and the effects behind backing up that design are so solid, they can get away with showing you it because even though, you know, it's some of the effects are some of the methods are a little dated, it still looks good. Yeah. And it's scary. 
I mean, the the scene where uh, where that guy, what did you say? His name is Brett. Yeah, I think so. It was when Brett. the scene where he's like <clears throat> looking for the cat at first, and then he gets killed. That was a scary scene. Like you, it was freaky. I mean, and it wasn't it wasn't even like a jump scare in the sense where like it came like no like the the xenomorph just kind of came up behind him and stood there. Yeah, this and, movie does not have a lot of jump scares, and, and when they do, they're like joke yeah. jump scares. But it was it was still scary, but in a really slow, suspenseful way. It's like oh god, yeah. it's here, and then he's dead. Um, it, it, it's such a great build of suspense. the The final scene, the, the final sequence, is so nerve wracking to me. I'm I'm always like on the edge of my seat, like oh god, oh god. And I've seen it before, so I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> a lot of a lot of these things were quickly cut when it kills when it, the alien kills people. But there's some violent shots. I think it is when Brett is killed. Pretty sure we you see s- him getting. You impaled. see bits. You see bits when uh, the mouth when the little mouth inside the mouth punches through his head. It's just like I, I just love that. It's like horror effect. It's so there's something so visceral about that, and they don't linger on it. But you see some like brain matter in there, and it's like, oh, yep, he's dead. <laughs> he's he's not coming back. Yeah, that is that is dead as dead can be. But um, they uh, they don't linger on it. No, that's all I have to say for visuals. If you have anything else, um, I actually want to jump back to my point because again, I'm so in love with the visual set design of this movie. Uh, one thing I don't think I touched on is why that physicality feeling of like the machinery of the ship is so good is because for a horror movie, especially and for suspense. If all a character has to do is press a button to do something, if that's all they have to do, that's not suspenseful. If they have to pull stuff and, like, work their body and, like, really wrestle with the ship and you make that part of the environment that's hostile against them, you're just adding several layers of suspense. More sci-fi movies need to learn from that. Enough of this fucking, you know, perfect-looking future with beautiful lights and stuff. Give us stuff where people wear friggin' trucker caps, have friggin' Hawaiian shirts on, and are pulling freaking levers and turning dials. That's what I Sci-fi want. Sci-fi tech takes work, you know? That's you what I want. You can't get nice tech without... I mean, yeah, the whole... I want to see is, wires exposed. I want to see fans going off. Right. None of this perfect the stuff. Sh- the ship is giant. I mean, there's going to be mechanical components, so that I agree. And they um, don't even make it look like a ship. It looks like just like... It looks like a, a city they're dragging because a ship doesn't have to be aerodynamic. Yeah, it's like a space station. I love it. It's great. Audio, there's a couple things. I wrote space sounds. I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was a lot of uh, just like the, what we would call room tone or nat sound. Uh, that You can't really do that in this because it's not like they're outside or like they're in someone's house. Um, so there's a lot of those kind of just like, uh, sometimes there's like not even a lot of audio. Sometimes it's like just some hums. Um, but there's also a lot of wind sounds. And this is especially when they're kind of out of the ship. Yeah, on um, the planet. There's a lot of like, whew, kind of sounds. Those are freaky. Uh, there's not a lot of sound in, in a, a lot of the movie, actually. Very similar to Mahaling Drive, actually. Um, and that does make it creepy. They don't. There's not a lot of music. Um, no. And in my notes that I took um, after we watched this, um, aside from the visual, the second thing I love most about this movie, um, aside from Ellen Ripley, because she's just a fucking awesome character, um, but... For me, it's set. It's the set design, and it's the sound design. The music, I can take or leave it. I don't think it's super memorable, and some people are probably gonna just be so mad at me for saying that. But you know, it's not an amazing soundtrack. It does the job. It's not in a lot of it, but the sound design to me is so creepy and so good. I love like in that scene where um the first the first like character gets eaten or killed by the alien. He's got the 
the chains are dangling and shaking, the water's dripping, the way the alien moves, it like yeah. creaks. It's so good. Okay, now it's time to transition to our favorite uh, co-host of the show, Super 8. Super good 8! Girl, not sponsored by Sankyo. Um, not sponsored by Sankyo. God, look at that Zoom. Um, <laughs> so he's going to be giving us some facts for Alien. I'm actually interested. I feel like there's going to be a lot of good facts for this movie, probably more than the other ones, because it's definitely a special effects movie. So I'm excited for what he has to say. <laughs> Blue laser lights that were used in the alien ship's egg chamber were borrowed from The Who. The band was testing out the lasers for their stage show in the soundstage next door. Shredded condoms were used to create tendons of the beast's ferocious jaws. To get Jones the cat to react fearfully to the descending alien, a German shepherd was placed in front of him with a screen between the two, so the cat wouldn't see it at first. The screen was then suddenly removed to make Jones stop advancing and start hissing. The chest-bursting scene was not filmed in one take. The scene was filmed twice. On the first take, the chest-burster did not make it through Kane's shirt, so the crew needed to reshoot and do it again. The failed attempt is visible in the finished film since Ridley thought it made it look like the creature was struggling to push its way out and made the scene more violent. The face hugger was planned to be painted green, but Dan O'Bannon, seeing the unpainted face hugger on set and noting how inventive its human flesh tone color was, argued for it to remain as is. The dead face hugger that Ash autopsies was made using fresh shellfish, four oysters, and a sheep kidney to recreate the internal organs. Filming had to be done quickly because the organic material would be going bad very fast under the studio lights. And finally, Harrison Ford turned down the role of Captain Dallas. Thank you, Super 8, for those wonderful facts. God, they we get love better. and appreciate they you. They get better every time. They do. Although in the last episode, Super 8's voice seemed a little higher pitched than before, so I don't, I don't, we might have to talk with him. What Maybe he's that? going through changes. Yeah. We might have to discuss Yeah, Super this. 8, are you, are you feeling okay, buddy? Favorite moment in the movie. I have a favorite moment in the movie. I'll let you go first. I really liked the, specifically within the scene that uh, Ripley's doing this self-destruct thing when she has to go back and get the cat and th that whole thing, and then the alien shows up. The strobe light effects. I'm not like a. I'm not like a. You know, someone that's like hypersensitive to that kind of stuff. But um, so it didn't bug me. I thought it was pretty hypnotizing though, and it was really cool. And it really puts you in the scene, and you're like, oh my god, like this. This is a, just a good horror effect. Like the, the you know, because again, it's another way to get away with not having a, a great suit or a great animatronic. Because when you do see the xenomorph's mouth or in, and or face, I guess you would say. Um, it's like in split seconds. I mean, it's literally like a shutter. Uh, it's it's kind of freaky, and I I like the suspense of that scene a lot. Um, and when the alien did show up in that scene, it felt scary. So, I think my favorite scene is probably. Um, I, there's a lot of great scenes, but I'm gonna pick one that I think the scene I honestly remembered most from the movie when I first saw it, and upon rewatching, I just really like it for the significance the significance of it in the plot is. The, the 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 sort of the that sequence where Ash fights Ripley, 
that confrontation because I totally didn't see that coming that he was going to be an android. Not only because, and, and I actually knew from like just um from from previous experience that there were androids in the alien universe because I knew a fair bit about before I saw the first movie. But if you're watching this new, you have no idea that androids are an established thing here. And it's just a, it's a great twist, and it really sets up that extra level of it's not just an alien who is hostile. The company at a greater level is hostile to these people because it knows, and it's who the company is who put them in this situation. And it just is such a great, um, great, great third. And um, what am I thinking of? It's a great way to. It's a great start to that third act when they're, they're so much more desperate and they realize we need to just get off the ship, screw everything, screw the company, we're leaving. And I just love that scene, and I love the brutality of when they, they're bashing Ash's head with a fire extinguisher, and then, like, even when the first thing you see the low drip of, like, the, the white milk-like flu, and you're like, what is that? Yeah, we thought, I thought it was the alien first. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's such a, it's, it's a great moment in the script. I think it's probably my favorite scene. Wrap up final thoughts, and we'll get into what we think we learned. In overall, I like sci-fi movies. I thought there was some cool. Um, again, I can see how some movies influence this, how it influenced other movies, and I definitely the one thing I liked about the movie is I didn't really know where it was going. A lot of movies, even some that we've covered, like a movie like Falling Down, you can kind of tell where it's going when you're in the last twenty minute stretch. Okay, he's probably going to get to his family. He's probably going to get killed, get arrested, whatever. This one, I didn't really know what was going to happen. So you did this self-destruct thing, and I had kind of no idea there was going to be an alien in that second ship. There's a part of me that was like, I don't think the movie should is going to end like like you know gradually, but I really didn't know. So I think this movie had a lot of unpredictability, and I enjoyed that. I mean, I I've gone off a lot of how much I I, I like this movie. Um, and I'm a massive sci-fi nerd. That is where my love of film began. And ideally, it's what I want to do as filmmaking, make sci-fi and fantasy films. And this is just a... This movie deserves all the praise it's gotten. It is a legendary sci-fi movie. And if you like not just science fiction, but if you like movies at all, this is required viewing because this influenced a lot of things. Um, this was a groundbreaking movie for a lot of reasons. And... Just one thing to uh, to shove it to all those 80s nostalgia fans of people who never lived in the 80s, my, myself included. This movie came out in 1979. What I learned from the movie, this this is what I think I, I boil it down to. This movie does a really good job at, uh, or I guess like, I'll word it this way, is use editing and lighting and other in-camera visual tricks to make up for your lack of effects. Or, in a sense, to be your effects. They didn't have CGI to make the xenomorph like they do nowadays. Um, you know, and you know, sometimes animatronics and suits can look really good. Uh, but some of the puppetry effects in this movie I thought were meh. But, I mean, the lighting, specifically that strobe light thing I talked about, the low lighting in some scenes, some of the out-of-focus shots, some of the quick cuts, it made up for it. And uh, it made it scary, even though I know it was just like a big plastic silicone, whatever the fuck they made it out of. So I think using your effect, using in-camera things like lighting and editing to be your effects is a good lesson learned. For me, I've said it before, um, I'm actually kind of the opposite. Um, I think I learned a lot of this movie about just, you know, if you if you put a lot of time into designing the, the visual style of your, your, your movie and the world that you're setting it in, it really, it, it goes miles. 
it if it, what are my thoughts here to give the world a physicality and a believability to immerse the characters and well the audience into the characters in this world you, you you can do a lot more. You can tell an unbelievable story about an alien and a crew and have it be suspenseful and interesting because you made your setting believable. Yeah. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, the, the practical effects in this movie are outstanding and the set design is amazing. And H.R. Geiger's design to the alien is, you know, classic. Yeah. It's it's never going to be forgotten. Even to the costumes, we didn't even talk about the spacesuits. Like, there's a lot of different stuff that yeah just looks cool. We're gonna get riffed on, and then we'll be back to pick the next week's movie, even though it's not next week. But whatever. Take it away, Joey. Welcome back to Funny Notes. Brand new me, brand new environment. Now, Alien is a great movie that I just didn't want to watch in the slightest. So instead, I got someone else to write the notes for me. And the catch is, I have no idea what I'm about to read. It is called uh, Funny Notes. Uh, There's no Y. Too much space between the letters of the movie. The text is in Comic Sans Circle. What? 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 Yeah, yeah, there was too much space between them. It was just so, like, it needs to be condensed, modernized. Chrome. This is the future. <laughs> Next fact. Among a ship slash black sus. <laughs> ship too white. Uh, needs more decorations. Animal rights. Cats ate space food. Uh, black guy took seat from white guy. Equalness is good. Also wants to party. Next one, Planet is Detroit. <laughs> I love the great old city of Detroit, a place I have definitely been. They are vaping, not cool, bro. Alien raw chicken attacks guy. Needs more nudity. I'm feeling this was a direct attack on me. A uh, guy doesn't like quarantine. Biden's America. <laughs> Not gonna lie, that one's pretty good. Alien d- birth from gay stomach. Oh wait, guy's stomach. <laughs> Captain has naughty photos. Yeah, that's yeah, it's it's naughty photos. Captain was c- robot. That wasn't the captain. <laughs> Someone's the c- robot. I will agree. It it was pretty. C- <laughs> Big phallic head. This has been funny notes. I am never letting Super Eight write scripts ever again. Okay, it's that time of the episode again where we get to pick our next movie. I'm going to shuffle. He's going to pick. Take it away. No looking, no looksies. All right, all right. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. 
Vertigo. Ooh. An Alfred Hitchcock movie and one you have not seen. We're going back even farther. All right, well, that's what we're going to be doing in next episode. If it's next week, it's next week. If it's not next week, which it might not be, we might be taking a break. That's right, we might take a break Super, off Super 8's getting tired. We He's might getting pretty tired. But whenever that does come, we're going to be watching Vertigo. So thanks for joining. Thanks for listening if you listen. We need more of those people. And uh, see you next time. Bye. Ciao.